This is Moonshine and Scoreboards with Kevin, Landon, and Justin. Hello and welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards episode 6. I'm your host Kevin. I'm joined with my co-host Justin. Justin, how are we doing this evening? I am doing fantastic, Kevin. Great to be back here in the Moonshine and Scoreboards Lounge. Right. It's always a good place to be in this lounge, especially coming off of a good Tennessee win, right? Oh yeah. Feeling much better. Yeah. No 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 need to blackout drinking on Saturday. Everything was good. Uh, we 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 had a we had a good get back week in a couple of ways. That's right, that's right. Um, but today we're joined by tonight. Sorry, uh, we're joined by a celebrity guest. We have Tom, Tom from the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Tom, how's it going? It's going great, but I'm a little confused. This is the moonshine and scoreboards podcast i i'm sorry i thought it was the wine and footy podcast i was already talking about english premier league football and <laughs> sip a little chenin blanc with you all so my apologies but. all drinks are welcome here uh, actually it's great to be with you guys thanks for having me thanks for the invite uh, i've been listening to you guys uh, since you started and i uh, love the show and uh, i'm honored to be part of it yeah, our first time guest. We're honored to have you, Tom. And of course, for those who go back a little further with with me on some of my prior podcasts, you will you will know Tom because you probably also listen to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. But uh, we've known each other for quite a while and visited each other on podcasts and had some nice hangouts in person as well. Tom's a great guy and an expert when it comes to apparently footy and also uh, some West Coast sports that we. Kevin and I maybe don't have the insight into, so we brought in uh, some extra muscle, some extra brain power um, from someone who also pays a little more attention to baseball than maybe I do. So um, I, I figure between Tom and my combined brain power, we can match Kevin on this MLB playoff week kickoff. So that's yeah, the goal. We nearly form a whole brain. Yeah, can we come close? You could say that we brought in the closer. Oh, I'll be playoff preview. How about That's that? Right. Called up to the majors. That's right. Got the call this morning. Um, <laughs> but before we dive into that, we got, you know, our listeners love the college football. We love the college football. So we've got to dive into the college football first. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's start on the top. You know, I mentioned it earlier when we on the intro, uh, but Tennessee takes care of South Carolina pretty easily. Uh, a score of 41 to 20. There really wasn't a time that. I thought this game was in doubt. How about you, Justin? Well, as I've mentioned before, my battered vol syndrome won't ever allow me to feel like anything is a given. And um, so I felt like there was a possibility that it could all fall apart until about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, probably <laughs> unnecessarily. <laughs> but, it's you know, I, Justin's like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not sure. Bad things happen all the time to Tennessee. Um, but, you know, we did lose Brew McCoy, so that was one bad thing. Uh, lost him for the season. You know, Brew Brew came in as a transfer from USC, uh, put up huge numbers last year. It, it kind of it, he was Cedric Tillman's, you know, backup guy for a while, and then when Jalen when Cedric got hurt, Jalen Hyatt sort of took that spotlight wide receiver role. But Brew is always he's your you know, dependable possession kind of guy. He's tough. He's a dog out there. We love our dog wide receivers. 
And uh, man, it was tough to see him go down. I mean, you don't want to see anybody end, especially in a in a brutal, disgusting injury. Um, yeah, but um, that was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, that that was not good. But uh, but otherwise, the rest of the game went went well. Although, did you know it felt like it felt like Tennessee? I, I'm actually surprised. I'm glad we have an off week because I felt like we got beat up quite a bit just in general in that game. Yeah, uh, that's what Hypel said too. Was that I was listening to his press conference after the game, and he was like, "It's a good thing that the bye weeks this week because we're a very injured team right yeah. now." So, I mean, I know like Bruce, like like you said, Bruce ain't coming back this year, which does suck because I think he could have gone to the draft last year. I don't know how high he would have been picked, but I think he would have gotten drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, he chose to come back here, which you always love to see as like a fan. And then that kind of makes you more attached to the player. And, you know, I, I know on the broadcast, they were talking about how his family flew in for this game and everybody, he had a whole bunch of people here. And then just to see, you know, that leg injury like that. I mean, I didn't see it live because we were driving down to Atlanta during the game. So I was watching on my phone Mm -hmm. and luckily I was on YouTube TV and they have a rewind feature. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why are they talking about when we're going? I didn't even see it. And so I was like, rewound it. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't see it because it was it was brutal. Um, like you said, that's a play on words there. Uh, but uh, it, on the bright side, they did avenge Hendon Hooker, who was in attendance. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. Uh, but like you said earlier, a nice get back week for the Vols. Feel pretty good about them going forward. We'll see about the Texas A&M Alabama game this week to see how I feel about Texas A&M. But, uh, so, so it's funny, uh, Kevin. I, I do feel like it, we've talked about previously how your outlook for the Vols tends to fluctuate a little more than mine. Um, very much. You, you, you go way up and way down week to week, and I stay a little more in the middle. But uh, coming off that win, I, I want to know, have you adjusted your uh, ceiling for maximum wins this year or your floor at all? Yeah, I think I have. Um, I think the floor went up one game. I think okay. uh, earlier I said the floor was six and six. Uh, this was one of the games that was on the floor. So okay. I up to seven and five. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think the ceiling probably probably still stays the same at 10 and two. I think we're going to find out a lot about Alabama on Saturday. Um, and I think that that's a game that like, you know, if Alabama comes out and lays a goose egg, then okay, maybe that ceiling bumps up to 11 and one. Uh, we'll also find out a lot about Georgia, Kentucky this weekend too. So I don't know, man, I, I'll keep it at 10 and two right now as a ceiling. <laughs> okay. seven and five right now as the floor. Right. Ask me next week. <laughs> it's very likely to change even on the bye week. So, so while we're while we're talking Tennessee, and I, I know this is a particularly focused interest for for you and I, Kevin, but I wanted to bring uh, Tom in at, on this discussion just a little bit because I know Tom, you you follow college football. I think you're you're a little closer to the NFL uh, than you are college football. But one of the things we've been talking about this year, um, as Kevin mentioned, we're going to learn more about Alabama, Texas A and M, Georgia, Kentucky, all of them this weekend. I we've been talking about how this is a down year for the SEC. Um, and I think this is going to be a year where there's a chance, just depending on how things go, the SEC may not even get a team in the playoffs, possibly, um, just depending on how it goes. 
But as as someone who does have that West Coast background, and I know you were a little closer to like San Diego State um, when you were on the West Coast, but how, how how do you view the college football landscape this year, just kind of generally and, and how the power shifted? I think the power shifted. I just think there's it's more balanced this year, more than anything else. I don't think that there are any great uh, teams this year. I, the, mm. You know, the programs are great, but they, they, as far as actual great teams, I don't know that there's that great team. There's that dominant team. There's that. I mean, Georgia, yes, has been okay, but you, you've seen them look shaky this year. Definitely Alabama's look completely shaky. Those, you know, those um, programs that you're consistently expecting to be near the top, and we've seen what's happened with Clemson. They've fallen a bit. Mm-hmm. They're not there. They, I, I could see I, there's very few teams, very few programs this year that I could say week in and week out, no matter who they're matching up with, that they are definitely going to come away with a dominant victory or possibly even a victory at all. I think it's, it's a wide open college football year from what I've seen so far. I mean, it does because the SEC maybe doesn't have that dominant team. You're going to open some things up a little bit more to the big 12, to the big 10, to the PAC 12, possibly, you know, open up some more teams to get in there. I I still think there, there will be an S I'd be surprised if there's not an SEC team in the college football playoffs when it's all said and done. I just can't pinpoint for sure which program it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that, Tom. If you had to say the programs that have a chance in the SEC, who would you say, like, obviously you mentioned Georgia, right? I mean, I feel like that's like almost a given. Who else do you think, like, would you say that has a chance to make the playoff out of the SEC? Because like you said, it is incredibly wide open, even in this conference. It's it's really tough. I mean, I think Alabama, you know, they looked a bit better finally last week. They looked a little bit more like the Alabama, you know. So maybe, I mean, it was a t- bumpy start. And obviously the loss doesn't help, the early loss. It's going to make them have to pretty much run the table uh, in the end of the season. Although a two-loss Alabama team is, you know, fairly a possibility still to make it to the college football playoff. But I think that they, you know, we saw them, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Mississippi state. It wasn't a, you know, it's not one of the big names. It's not one of those fantastic programs, but they were able to write the ship a little bit. And if you can start getting the momentum going, you know, and get Nick Saban to coach these guys up, um, they could be that, that program that does push its way. I, I still think Georgia is obviously a distinct possibility to make it out outside of that. It, it's, it's really a crapshoot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I the balls can pull it together. I mean, I know you're saying six and <laughs> six, seven and five, Kevin, you're getting a little crazy with that. right now. <laughs> but I mean, if they, if the ball bounces the right way in a couple of these matchups, even they might still be able to battle for it, even though that extremely disappointing loss to Florida. Early oh, the season. It looks yeah. worse and worse, doesn't it? Every week. It does. Yes. It does. Every week God, it looks worse. It's, uh, I couldn't believe it. That's, that's what I was going to age well. <laughs> yeah, that and and I was texting with uh, with both you, Kevin, and, and Landon, and just saying like, um, you know, it just it hurts me to watch Florida play, knowing that we lost to that team, and really it comes down to one quarter of defense and 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 maybe a couple offensive mistakes, but you you, you take that away, and and more than likely we could have that win away i mean could have would have should have right we lost the game scoreboards this game's about scoreboards this show's about scoreboards 
we lost the game. But it just, it really does sting because we would be sitting in a position where we're like, look, even if we lose to Alabama and Tuscaloosa, if we take care of business against the Georgia team that looks like there's chinks in the armor and it's going to be a home game for us, then yeah, we, we would be in position to represent the East this year in the SEC championship. And then who knows from what, but we kind of took that out of our hands with that Florida loss. But yeah, I mean, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. And, you know, while we're, we've got Georgia on the list to talk about, um, I, what, what did you take away from that Georgia game, Kevin? Because they won by a touchdown. I didn't really watch much of it, and I think maybe since you were you were on the road, I don't know how much you got to watch of it. But um, I watched the whole game. Oh, you saw the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I had the iPad on the road. I was like, I'm not missing a play. <laughs> did Did Georgia look? I mean, what was going on in that game? Like, what What was Georgia, your takeaway from watching? So to me, Georgia like really played down to Auburn's level, okay. which was very surprising. There wasn't a whole lot of mistakes per se, and it wasn't like Carson Beck had a bad game. But it was very just back and forth. Auburn would score, Georgia would score. Auburn would score, Georgia would score. Auburn went out to a pretty big lead. I think they were up like 10 points, something like that, and Georgia came right back. Yeah, they were up 10-0. And, and, yeah. And then Georgia would Georgia came right back and, and you know, kind of woke up a little bit, kind of like we saw um, – I believe it was UAB that they played that the first half was ugly. Oh, no, it was South Carolina. Yeah. Kind of like the South Carolina game where the first half was kind of ugly and then Georgia kind of woke up in the second half. It was kind of like the same thing. It was, you know, Auburn jumped out to an early lead and Georgia kind of righted the ship a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt like when the... To me, it was more of a... Uh, uh, point on how Auburn looked was when the pressure was there and they had a chance to take the lead or tie the game, they kind of buckled under the pressure. And okay. and that's not, I mean, to me it's not super surprising because I didn't have high hopes for Auburn to start the season anyway. Uh, but it was, you know, I didn't anticipate this game to be a seven-point game. I didn't anticipate yeah. Georgia to cover the spread. I knew it was going to be closer than Vegas was thinking. Uh, but I didn't anticipate it to be a seven-point game. Uh, that being said, another game that was a seven-point game. Mm-hmm. How about that night game? How about those Notre Dame fighting Irish, buddy? How about that? <laughs> it's so funny that you uh, you want to pump your chest up about this game. I mean, yeah, they, they won by a touchdown, but they had to do it with, what, three minutes left in the game? A minute and 45 seconds. Okay, and even less. It was, I watched that whole game as well. So I had the Tennessee game on my phone. Yeah. And I had the Notre Dame game on the iPad because I had a feeling that the Tennessee game was going to be kind of ugly. And I knew that I had a feeling the Notre Dame game was going to be really close. And so I was like, let me put the Notre Dame game on the uh, big screen, bigger screen. And that, uh, that was a really good game. I thought it, I mean, I know it's Duke, right? Let's just get it out of the way. It's Duke, they're a basketball school. Are not really that good at football. They did beat Clemson. They, they did. did kind of bully Clemson. And and they looked pretty good. They were undefeated. They had a home environment. It was loud. As loud as a Duke college well, football game can get. I mean, I don't know how loud. How big is their stadium? Is it like 30,000? I don't even 30? know. Yeah, it's, it's not very big. Um, but, you know, it was sold out, um, I think. Uh, 
Game Day was there. Ken Jong was there. You know, right. it, it was it was wild, and and I I thought it was very important for Notre Dame to win this game, and I thought it was very good that Notre Dame won the game in the way that they did. Kind of like they had an exact rehash of the Ohio State game, where instead of Notre Dame, instead of Ohio State having the ball down with one minute left, Notre Dame had the ball down with one minute left, and and drove right down the field. Sam Hartman. Man, if they would have beaten Ohio State, this would have been his Heisman moment. That fourth down and 16, and he scrambles and trucks a guy to get the last couple yards. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, and, you know, yes, they escaped with the win in a game that, you know, earlier on in the schedule, earlier on in the season, you're looking at the schedule, and you're like, yes, Notre Dame should very easily win that game. Uh, but the schedule plays out. They escape with the win. And now they have their eyes set on Louisville, and then after that, the big game that kind of determines how their season turns out, in my opinion. Uh, but a good win for the Fighting Irish, I, I would say. Well, a win's a win, and they've got to keep winning if they want to try to play themselves back into playoff contention. Um, I don't. It's crazy to me uh, if if Sam Hartman ends up being a highest candidate. And his highlight is a fourth and sixteen against Duke. Come on, the game was on the line. Come on, <laughs> I don't care. That's not Your a season's on the line. Yeah. I don't care. I don't Your care. Season's on the line. Oh man, Justin, it was. I'm gonna send you a video on X. Okay, uh, they they sent. <laughs> I'm not on X. Ha- You're right. I'll send it to you on text message from X. <laughs> and. <laughs> The Notre Dame uh, social media team had a like the 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 game was going along with the coaching and the, they were doing the uh, the audio from the coach's headset overlapped yeah. with the game. It was yeah. pristine. It was, I actually I did see this video. I saw it, it was, and I got to tell you, Kevin, fantastic. you're talking about you're putting the Notre Dame game on the big screen. You're posting your, your Notre Dame videos on X. I gotta wonder if. There was a lot maybe, of Tennessee videos there too, buddy. Maybe your vol card is starting to like fall out of your wallet just a little bit. No, no, no. Do you want you want to know something else? <laughs> what? Something else that hasn't been posted on X? What's we that? got a new dog. And oh. we got a new dog on Sunday. Congratulations. No, on yesterday, on Monday. On yesterday, uh, okay. Yes, on yesterday. Um, we got a new dog and his name I didn't name him, okay? My wife named him. His mm-hmm. name is Rudy. Do with that what you will. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't name More him. More evidence. Your honor, I mean, come on. <laughs> it wasn't my choice. I In the court of dog. public opinion. Can we call Aaron Judge and get a ruling on <laughs> I name I named one dog after Aaron Judge. I can't I said this is your dog, you name him, and she said, I'm gonna name him Rudy. I like that movie and your dad likes Notre Dame. It'd be a good name. Okay, oh, Lord. that's what you want to go with. So, all right, a Rudian judge, I guess. Um, well, Tom, were you able to watch? Did you see any of that Notre Dame Duke game? Did you have? Unfortunately, any I didn't. It? I didn't catch any of the Notre Dame game. Just caught the score afterwards. Um, I was a bit shocked. I mean, I I know that Duke is playing better uh, than we've probably ever seen them play, um, but I thought Notre Dame was gonna was gonna, especially coming off of that brutal loss. 
do at Ohio State. I thought that they were going to come back and just plow um, and Duke. And, you know, for Notre Dame to kind of stumble through, uh, you know, a portion of that game near the end, especially, um, it, it's really surprising to me. Um, I I don't know what, again, it's like so many of these programs this year. I just don't know what to think of them. I don't know what to expect week in and week out. Uh, some of these teams, I think there's only a couple of them that I would say, you know, oh, I can guarantee you almost every week that they are going to come away with a win because I I think it's, uh, I, again, I, I've already stated it, it's wide open out there. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I love it. That's why we love college football. It, I mean, that's a huge, a huge piece of it for sure. Um, Riley Leonard, did he end up like? Is he hurt? Hurt? I think he got hurt in the game. Sprain. Yeah, just a high ankle sprain. It's not. They were making it a big deal. It. It wasn't. It's just a high ankle sprain, and he fumbled the ball before he got hurt. I don't. Don't let the excuses start coming in. <laughs> I'm not making excuses, bro. Listen, no, no, no. we all no, know dude, he sucks. He sucks. Dude, his dude, mom. Man. His mom will tell you he sucks. So you know. Right. That's um, insane. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> he gets that text message every every Saturday. Yeah, that's just wild. Um, well, you know who doesn't suck anymore? Who doesn't suck? Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train. He got his he got his signature win. Uh, you could say against LSU on Saturday. Uh, did you see any of that game? I didn't get to watch any. Of I this did. Game. I watched some of it because um, so a little fun story. And, and since we're on moonshine and scoreboard show, I feel like I should share it. Um, I've got a nearby uh, little local uh, tavern pub type situation and they have a wraparound bar. I've never been to this place. Um, and we decided to go down there and get some takeout and bring it back for the Tennessee South Carolina game. So while we were there, we saw the end of the UCF game, which was insane. Um, and we also saw the end of the Ole Miss LSU game. But, I, but we saw probably like a whole quarter of it. So I got to see the important parts, um, really. But, yeah, I, I mean, the Ole, Ole Miss, uh, man, um, it, I, I think it makes Alabama's win over Ole Miss look a little more impressive because you know Lane Kiffin can coach some offense. And, um, you know, he can put up points. And that seems to be LSU and Brian Kelly's kryptonite. Like, if, if you got a team that can, that can score – then LSU is going to struggle. Um, I, I saw, um, oh, uh, the uh, the fumble. The the quarterback got trucked and fumbled. Um, oh, Jaden Daniels, yeah. Jaden Daniel, yeah. I saw that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, like, just like the rest of college football, I mean, this, this shows, like, the SEC West is just, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Dude. They're all going to beat each other is what's going to yeah. happen. They're gonna cannibalize each other, and and I don't I, I don't know. I mean, A and M seems like a likely choice. We'll see Saturday. LSU now has an SEC loss. You know, Ole Miss has an SEC loss. Alabama's sitting there with no SEC losses. Right. So it's it's it is wild. Um, did you guys see the video of the guy on the on the on the goalpost after the game? <laughs> he did a flip. <laughs> That was insane. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know if he thought that they were going to tear the goalpost down or like what his thought process was. But I mean, if you're in that scenario, right, and you're sitting on the goalpost and nobody's tearing it down, like, might as well have some fun, you know? I mean, climb up it, 
slide down it, make he out with it. He didn't quite whatever. stick the landing, but uh, <laughs> flip off of it. Yeah. You know, when you're partying in the Grove all day, I don't, I don't know if there was a lot of thought going through his head at that point, other than, you know, let's climb the goalpost. <laughs> and then he definitely did. no sober thoughts going through his head. <laughs> That's for certain. Um, another game, I guess the last game that we'll talk about on Saturday was the uh, USC Colorado game. Yeah. Uh, wild. That, so that was wild. <laughs> I just want to say, okay, so before the game, uh, the Colorado athletic director like sent a message to the fans and he was like, listen, if we beat USC, please don't rush the field. And at halftime, I was having some fun because I was like, oh yeah, hey, Colorado fans, don't forget. Your, yeah. your athletic director doesn't want you to rush the field after you get trounced by USC. Um, but man, did they come storming back, didn't they? They they did. Uh, I Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of this game. Uh, because we had a wedding Saturday before we had done Drill Anta. So, um, you know, because last week my rant, people get married in the fall, just doesn't yeah. make any sense to disrespectful. me. Disrespectful. <laughs> Very disrespectful. Um, <laughs> but somebody did. It was fine. Whatever. I missed the USC Colorado game for it, but whatever. Um, I was looking at my phone and I saw USC got to this huge lead. And I was like, Psh whatever, man, like, I kind of figured that this was going to be this way, and then all of a sudden, I look down, and I see it's, like, a seven-point game, and I was like, what in the world? Like, yeah. what? And, I mean, when you tweeted that, I saw, or posted it, I saw, you know, I saw you post it, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, I don't know if he's trolling, or if he means this seriously, because it's now a close game. <laughs> well, when I posted it, I was absolutely trolling, because that just... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that comment didn't age well, but but yeah, they man. I, I, I gotta say, like, that was impressive against a undefeated USC team, you know, that in my mind, like now you've got three legitimate Pac twelve undefeated contenders in USC, Oregon, and uh Washington that I think all have had their moments where they've looked impressive and all have looked like, you know, had their moments where it's like, well, I don't know. But I think or Maybe Oregon has looked the most consistent. I don't know. But, um, wow. Like, um, USC, I, I think, you know, this was a test game for them, but I I think they've looked pretty strong. And you, I, I have to say, out of the three teams I'm talking about, they've all got strong quarterback leadership. Um, I, I You know, I'm a big uh, Michael Penix fan, um, and I think that, you know, he continues to roll. But I think it's it, ultimately, I think the – Pac-12 is going to come down to Washington and USC. I'm starting to have a feeling it's going to end up being USC that comes out on top, but I don't know. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. I I think it's going to come down to Washington and Oregon. Hmm. Because I think USC has a bye week this week. Uh, No, they don't. They play Arizona. Sorry. USC plays Arizona this week. And then they have a six-week stretch after that where they play like Back to back to back to back. Like I believe it's Notre Dame and then Utah and then Washington and then Oregon. Yeah. And then Oregon State. Like they have a gauntlet of a schedule right in front of them. Um and it's Well, Utah I mean, and Cal Utah and Cal, we we could debate whether or not those are actually gonna be challenges. Right. But well Utah's sure. defense. Utah's yeah. defense is good. Yeah. 
I know they can't score, and maybe Cam Rising will be back by then. Um, but I, the thing that I think will is going to end up getting USC is their that defense is atrocious. That defense is so bad. <laughs> I mean, they're awful. Colorado scored three points, no, six points last week against Oregon, and scored forty-one against that USC defense. I believe they ran for 127 yards on USC and ran for like 70 or something like that on Oregon. Maybe not even that. Uh, they Colorado had the, they had the USC defense in a, in a whirlwind. And I'm interested to see if Colorado does it. We saw how good Oregon's offense is. We've seen how good Washington's offense is. So I think those two teams are going to kind of, Bully yeah. that USC defense. But I think that it'll, it'll just be a high score because because USC hasn't scored less than forty two all year. So yeah, right, you know, wild. I mean, it's just good. The Pac twelve, like I think traditionally we've we've known them to to put up the points. Um, so it's it's no different for the the big teams this year. But um, uh, Tom, do do you have any any rooting interest at all in uh, in the Pac twelve? Like we're did you did you follow either UCLA, USC, or any of those teams when you were out west? Most of my family went to USC, so I have a small bit of rooting interest. I did not, um, okay. but um, I've I've been to many games, I, so I do have some rooting interest. I'm always checking in on what they're doing for my family's sake. Um, what I'll tell you about USC right now, and uh, this is actually Kevin. Well, I think that gauntlet might be beneficial to them. I mean, it's tough. Don't get me wrong. That is going to be a tough stretch of, of, of games for them. But what I've seen from USC so far this season, yes, their defense is not stellar by any risk stretch of the imagination. Their offense is very good. Defense is not stellar. But they tend to lapse in concentration when they don't, when they don't have something to play for. When they're playing against an Arizona State, they kind of slept walk into that game knowing Colorado was the next week. And it, it nearly cost them. And then they went through this game and they came out and they were gunning. They were, they were doing everything. Colorado had no answer for them for the entire first half and, you know, into the third quarter, really, of that game. And then they just kind of, okay, we got this and kind of let it go. And, and Colorado, you know, credit to the talent they have on this team and that, you know, Dion has kept them fighting came back and nearly pulled off a miracle in that matchup. Yeah. It was it was pretty impressive. USC got the win, but in a way, Colorado won that matchup too because, let's face it, what Colorado's going after right now, I mean, okay, they got to a surprising start this year, and everybody was jumping on the bandwagon, and that's fantastic. But Dion will tell you himself, it wasn't necessarily about this year. Yes, he wanted to do some things, but he's there to bring in the kind of players that can eventually make this Colorado program something to really watch out for. And even losses like that are going to give some people that are kind of teetering on which program they want to go to more of a look at Colorado. It's all about recruiting and college football. And what Dion's yeah. doing there is really going to lead to some big things for the Buffaloes in the future. I think that's a great point. And I kind of wondered if, Maybe there was some of that take the foot off the gas effect in the second half for USC. Not watching the game, just looking at it. That's what it looked like probably happened. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right for Colorado this year. It's 
It's about the optics. It's about the eyes. It's about getting the media to pay attention to that program, which Dion has already done a great job of. And if he can keep like raising some eyebrows, even in, in games like this where they don't come out on top, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, <laughs> pretty wild to watch what happens over the next couple of years if they start bringing in those you know top notch recruits. Um, that I think that he probably will. Um, imagine if imagine if Taylor Swift showed up at a Colorado game. What would happen? That's I think the whole, that has to the be whole sports world would implode. That's the end of the world as we know it, right there. <laughs> we made it about we made it about thirty minutes without saying Taylor Swift. That's got to be a record. That I mean, that's that no no references, no blank space, no are we out of the woods? None of that. No, no not even the name. We did good. I'm proud of us. I had to do it. Can't say this name. I had to do it. Like you couldn't watch the NFL this weekend without a Taylor Swift sighting. It's insane. It was in. It was wild that Chiefs Jets game. (laughs) I was watching that from the hotel room, and I was like, "Is this a like a dream world? Like, what is this?" Did you hear daily the voice thing? And yeah, did you did you hear about the flight that got delayed because there no there were there. there was a, there were some guys that were watching the the Jets and Chiefs game in a airport bar, and they were taking shots every time they showed Taylor Swift. Oh no! So, so they so, were gone. As you can imagine, they were overserved and overdrank, and then they were so sick that the plane got delayed. Golly, that's insane. I mean, I I I believe it. I mean, they the the NFL knows what they're doing. We'll say that. Oh yeah, we got a bunch uh, of Swifty eyes on the NFL now. So right, the NFL's feeding into it big time. <laughs> I don't think they're going to stop anytime soon. Um, I just want to hit my Heisman top five before we move on to the week six preview as as we preview the next week um, or this coming weekend. Uh, a name hopped back into the race for me. He had a really good weekend. Kind of thought he would. Uh, but leading the pack is still Michael Penix. Like you said yeah. earlier, he's he's just balling, doing his thing, continuing Every to put week. up huge numbers <laughs> um, quietly too, but still just dominating every week. Should have um, been a ball. That's right, man. <laughs> mm. We'll take an honorary Heisman if he wins. That's right. Um, Jordan Travis coming in at number two. I believe Florida State was off this week, right? Yeah, that's correct. Off week. Yeah. Um, so I guess the off week kind of benefited him because – he didn't really do anything to lose his spot in the Heisman race and kind of, you know, uh, has, has still held Pat where he's at. Um, number three, coming up from the ashes, the defending Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. I mean, the, the bright lights were on. I kind of figured that the bright lights were going to be on in this Colorado USC game like we talked about, and he delivered. Uh, he had a huge game. I only have him at number three because, like I said early in the season, it's real hard for somebody to compete as a Heisman winner, and I don't know that it's going to be him. Uh, but I, I still think he's going to end up in New York at some point this season um, or at the end of the season. Maybe he takes a trip and just to go go to see a Broadway show. And then... He's the bodacious billboard there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sam Hartman at number four, like I said, Heisman moment if they beat Ohio State was was Saturday night. Uh, big game in two weeks or next week um, against USC, and, and that'll be a moment for him to 
if Notre Dame wins, it is because of Sam Hartman and that Notre Dame and, and the Notre Dame defense as well. But if, if they beat USC, it'll be because of Sam Hartman. Uh, so he has another opportunity to kind of throw his name back into the hat. And then rounding out my Heisman top five, all quarterbacks this week, Quinn Ewers. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, they kind of dominated Kansas and Quinn Ewers has kind of been just a steady rock all week or all season. And so uh, a lot of big names, big name universities in my list, minus Michael Penix. Uh, But it's nice to see, like, I don't have any SEC schools, and I kind of enjoy that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I kind of like that, some, some, uh, you know, some verity in the Heisman race for once. It's it's wild. Penix didn't throw a touchdown pass against Arizona. That's interesting. Well, they they won by seven against the backup. <laughs> yeah, they but, they slept walked that game too. But he's a yard short on the season, uh, five games in from two thousand yards passing. Yeah, he's he's put up some crazy numbers. Yeah, he has. Um, and it's been quiet because it's been on in wet in, in Washington. Right, and and nobody really stays up to watch those games on the East Coast, where a yeah. lot of the Heisman voters are. Shout out to uh, Dr. Jacqueline. She's a she's a University of Washington grad, a big fan, and uh, we we text frequently through the college football year. And she has a, a healthy hatred for all things SEC, uh, mostly because of the media attention that they get and the fact that the Pac-12 doesn't get it. So I, I think, yeah, I think that's something that definitely is is sort of stacked against. Uh, Michael Penix, you it's, it, you know, Caleb Williams, he doesn't have to deal with that because USC gets the eyeballs. They're all, they're on TV. It, it's sort of like Bo Nix too. Um, Oregon's always going to be on TV, but yeah, you, if you're outside of those two schools right now in the, in the PAC 12, I think it's hard to get the attention. Tom, uh, speaking of that, how do you, how do you feel about like, do you think that college football in general, like the media and the, and the eyeballs, are sort of unfairly skewed east and sort of in the Midwest, and it doesn't give enough attention uh, to the Pac-12 or or just West Coast schools in general. Like, how how do you feel about that being a West Coast person? Hundred um, percent. But I don't necessarily think it's it's necessarily the media. Uh, it's not their fault necessarily. It's just one of those things of like when you playing games and this goes for all sports. I mean, yes, of course, college football, but we can talk about any other sports when you start games that are, you know, first pitch tip off, whatever is at 10 o'clock at night, East coast time. How many people are up and watching those games across the country? It's really tough for people to, I'm learning about this even more personally from coming from the West coast, now living on the East coast. I have a tough time trying to stay up for any late games. I mean, I'm used to the days of back when I would get up in the morning, 9, 10 a.m. in the morning. We got games going, and they're wrapping up around 8 o'clock at night. Now we still have games starting after that point. It's really tough to keep track, especially some of the teams that I love. They're on the West Coast right now. So it's it's just one of those things that's just – it's it's just kind of unfortunately the way it goes. If if more of the West Coast teams can play – you know, 1230 or, you know, 330 East Coast time starts, that will help them out. But, you know, that not every, you know, program can do that all the time. And yeah. so that's, that is just kind of the curse of being in the time zone you're in. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And I think too, as we talked about, college football is, is so driven by the, the Jimmies and Joes. It's the recruits, right? And 
when a majority of the country isn't getting to watch a lot of the teams that are out west. I, I think it's got to be challenging if you don't have the kind of budget of a, a USC or, you know, Oregon, who is sponsored by Nike entirely. Um, like, I don't know how I don't know how you get, you know, some of the the big names to to consider you, uh, you know, may, even make a trip because it might be difficult. It's it's funny. You look at the uh, on on a map, you can look at the Division One schools. I've I've seen this. Um, this year, people have posted it, and there's such a concentration in the in the in the Midwest and and East Coast of the Division One schools, and then it starts to get really sparse out west and spread out, um, especially for like college football uh, contenders. But like, um, I don't know, it, I, it's it's a competitive disadvantage that I, that I think um, you would sort of think as as we have moved into an age where you know, that sports are on all the time and you've got all the social media and there's so much coverage that it wouldn't be such a disparity, but it seems like uh, it still is something that, that I think those schools have to overcome. So. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's... Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Kevin. So, You're oh, the West it's just, it's just, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's just, unfortunately, you know, what you have to deal with. I mean, when you were a USC I mean, you're recruiting out of a state like California, you know, which a population basis is going to have in general, probably a fair amount more of recruits to pick from. So you kind of get that. But then, you know, if you're looking at some of these smaller programs or lesser known programs or whatever, they're trying to battle to try and stay up with the, the, the Big Ten, the SEC, even the ACC, definitely the Big 12, which has Texas more to recruit out of, which is, you know, another huge uh, place for great football uh, skills. Um, it, it, it's just it, it, they're it's tough to get them when they're just like you're saying, there aren't eyeballs on them all the time. It's it's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I, we can discuss on whether the, the super conferences that are on their way is a good thing or a bad thing for college football. But one thing it will be for some of the West Coast teams is it's going to get the ability for more of the recruits to see them in action yeah. um, once they are playing more games in the central and possibly even the eastern time zone. That's so true. Absolutely. I, I think that we've talked a little bit about it. Uh, Kevin, um, coming into this week's show, we, we've we've touched on it here and there, but just talking about conference realignment, we we've talked about it being a theme, and it's going to continue to be a theme for college football. But I think that as we do move towards those conf- those super conferences, you mentioned Tom, what it's going to do is for the teams that are part of that, it's going to create a lot more parity because you would think that it some of that advantage starts to go away financially. You're going to be on the same grounds, and then also coverage wise you will be so then it really starts to come down to you know coaching and, and different things like that and we and the other thing i think too it, it, it it'll be interesting to watch because the nil is also shaping the landscape um of college football and how does that change and is is that going to be something that is some regulating body going to step in and try to oversee that in some way i don't know that the NCAA way here anymore <laughs> so um, right. but yeah. you know what I mean? I, I just, there's, I, I think we're going through such an interesting transition time for college football, better or worse. I don't know, but on the other side, um, we're going to have a whole new sport really. I think, I think you're right. And I, I think there's a whole 
couple episodes probably that we could devote <laughs> to conference realignment. Sure. That'll be very fun. And I think what I think we should have Tom back on to talk about that just to get yeah. his perspective as a fan of West Coast teams. Um, because a lot of the movement is West Coast teams coming to like you guys said, more time zones that more people watch them. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. I think that'll be, that'll be a fun conversation to have. I, I know I said that we we're going to dive into the week six preview of college football, but I kind of want to hold that off for our pub dub section because there yep. really isn't a whole lot of great games this weekend. Um, but the games that there are great, we, we've kind of got covered up in the pub dubs section of the, of the show. So let's, let's, let's go to the bullpen. Shall we? Let's do it. Uh, while we're recording, we got playoff baseball going on right now. Um, let's let's talk about the playoffs. We haven't talked about baseball at all in this show. As as somebody who's played baseball his whole life up until he graduated college, uh, that's kind of crazy that I haven't mentioned baseball ever, <laughs> <laughs> aside from ranting about the Yankees just one episode. Um, but. Tom is a uh, big baseball fan, correct? I am. I do. Lo- yes. I love baseball. Love my Padres, even though they really played poorly this year. It's very disappointing yeah. season. Yeah, uh, that's something that we have in common. Um, I guess that we can hop off the top, uh, just take the top off of this baseball discussion with Talking about the before we get into the playoffs, we can talk about the regular season and, and the three most disappointing teams in baseball. Two of which we have fans of on this show. Um, Justin, I don't think you're a Mets fan. Uh, I'm not but a Mets fan. We we've got a Padres fan in Tom. We got a Yankees fan in myself, and then we have the Mets as well. Oh, All came into we, this season. If we were going to have a pity party, we should have invited Frank Cardillo. He could. I know we should. Have, <laughs> right. we, we should just give him a call real quick, and we could just all drink <laughs> our tears together. Um, all, all three had an eighty percent chance to make the playoffs before the season started, and, and we're playoff baseball being played right now. Like I said, and and, and all three are on the couch watching. Um, hmm. What What do you guys think is is the biggest disappointment out of those three? Which team do you guys think is the biggest disappointment? Uh, biasness aside, obviously. <laughs> so, oh, well, I'll speak up first because I have no dog in this fight. So that makes the most sense. Let me speak. Um, right. Before the season started, I, I always like to joke around before the Major League Baseball season kicks off that I'm a I'm a free agent fan because I really don't have a favorite baseball team. I, I like watching baseball and I like going. I love going to games. Uh, I hate that my closest stadium is Tropicana Field because it's a dump. But um, I, I do like going to see live true baseball. baseball <laughs> Say what? I said you sound like a true baseball fan. Tropicana Fields. A- <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's terrible. It's a terrible place to see a game. Uh, but um, but so I, I opened it up before the season started, and I was like, "Come on, which teams?" Just talking to people that I was connected with in social media, what team should I be a fan of this year? And and I don't team or a fan of a team that's red, white, and blue. Like if it's some comp- combination of those colors, I'm just not interested because that that's too standard in baseball. I want to do something different. So Tom, you know, being a friend of mine, spoke up and and mentioned that maybe Padres they were, you know, poised for a good season. So I bought a Padres T-shirt. And I was like, that's it. I'm a Padres fan this year. <laughs> and what happened? What happened? I mean, I think 
Tom, you might have me to blame for how this season went, honestly, because I think I, sometimes I think I'm a curse as a fan. Uh, I appreciate it, Justin. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Your fault. Um, this team, you know, part of the issue with it is, you know, they put a lot of great pieces in place individually, but I don't know if this team could ever quite gel as a team. Um, they just, it, it it just didn't work for whatever reason in the roles they're in. I think there were a couple players that came in. It's the one from last year that maybe weren't willing to do everything that was necessary to kind of make this become a winning team consistently. Um, it, there's some definitely things that need to be worked out. And they also ran into some problems like, you know, they, they got off to a slow start. They were not, hitting with runners in scoring position for most of the first half of the season. Then right before and they they got to near the all-star break, you know, right around the all-star break, right around the trade deadline. And the question was, you know, what are the Padres going to do? Are they going to sell? Are they going to buy? And if they had kept going the way they were going, it looked like, okay, they're going to have to sell off a few pieces here. It totally makes sense. But then they got on a little bit of a hot streak, won some games, won some big series against some some very good teams right as they got to the break. And so like, okay, we're going to buy. We're not going to go completely in. We're going to buy some nice role-playing players uh, to kind of fill in some gaps. But unfortunately, right after that, they went on another skid again. Some of those players they got in got hurt. And more importantly, there are some players that are going to be off the payroll this year. They're probably going to be free agents that they possibly could have gotten some talent back for that they didn't deal away. Oh. Now, saying all this, look, here's the thing. They didn't win an extra inning game until September. They went 0-12 before they finally won an extra inning game. They had a great run differential. They were scoring plenty. But they were having real trouble in close games so they just really are having a tough time then they hit september and then suddenly they got on this streak and they ended up only finishing two games out of a wild card spot i mean they did go on a run at the end of the season but everybody knew by that point you know outside of a miracle it was too little too late and now we're just waiting and wondering to see what happens because it's going to be a wild offseason we're still not even for sure uh as san diego fans if the general manager and the manager are still going to be there next year. They could both be there. They could both be gone. One or the other could be gone. We're still waiting to kind of finally hear the final, you know, statement on that all. Well, as a Yankees fan, Tom, I, I would like to say at least you had that fun time in September where there was a chance where you guys got hot after the trade deadline because my season's been dead since June and it's been deader than a doorknob. Um, as soon as Aaron Judge, actually it was probably July, as soon as Aaron Judge crashed into that stupid wall in that trash hole of a stadium, Dodger Stadium, that for some reason has a wall that breaks, uh, that, that's when our season went down the drain. And, and it, I don't know, man. As, it, as a Yankees fan, I'm going to say the most disappointing team missing the playoffs was the Mets because they had the biggest payroll and because it's the Mets. Um, but it's also the Mets. So it's almost like, 
not that disappointing because that's what you expect. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, Frank. Um, but that's just just the Mets, you know. I mean, can't, can't script it any better than that. Um, all that being said, though, I mean, disappointing seasons galore for for us too, and and, and Mets fans as well. Um, but some magical seasons were had. Uh, and and we've got some very surprising playoff teams. I yeah. think. I want I want to just say, um, I I watched from the beginning of the season. I I I don't know that I sat down and watched the whole game start to finish. But one of the things I always did do was I checked the scores. I kept up with standings. I was following baseball pretty closely this year. And one thing that surprised me all year long was the Miami Marlins. Like. I couldn't believe that they were just staying around 500, sort of sticking around all year because I kept looking at things like run differential and and they were consistently like way upside down in run differential. I'm like, how is this team continuing to like keep themselves competitive? And, you know, lo and behold, they made the playoffs. Um, and my theory and I, you know, just watching scores and stuff, my theory was that, oh, they're they they're winning close games, but when they lose, they lose big. And apparently that's, that is kind of like the story of their season. And it's been a pitching issue at probably bullpen um, more than anything. But, um, but yeah, they, that to me was a surprise this season um, to kind of follow along with them. But, but then also being as close as I am to Tampa and watching the Rays um, at fantastic start to the season. They were the best team in baseball uh, for a while there. And then, you know, they, they dealt with injuries and, and, and different things here and there and, and sort of trailed off. They still had a really strong year, uh, but um, I was, I was, I, I thought that, I guess Baltimore coming out of nowhere uh, to me was, was such a surprise in the American league East, especially was it two years ago, they lost a hundred games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah two years ago, 110. Yeah. Wow. Two years ago. Yeah. As a fan of a team in the AL East, um, or the AL beast, as we like to call it. Um, yeah. The, I, I kind of had a feeling that the Orioles were going to be on the come up in the next couple of years. I didn't think it was going to be as quick as, as this team. I didn't think they were going to have the best record in the American league this year. Um, but that, that's a team that I think goes one of two ways in October. I think either they, they make noise in October and they go pretty far or it's a lot of those guys, the majority of those guys, first time in October, and and there's something different about October baseball, where you know the the pitches that were that were being missed in the regular season aren't being missed now. Those pitchers are locating all those pitches. Um, you know, my grandfather likes to say your butthole gets a little bit tighter in October. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a little bit more nerve wracking. Um, so uh, it, it it should be interesting to watch Baltimore. I want to run through these Ameri- uh, these wild card teams real quick um, and, and look at these matchups. Uh, we have, like you had said, Justin, the Rays are, are playing um, the Texas Rangers out of the American League West. Kind of a surprising team a little bit, uh, but they kind of had uh, a good amount of Free agent signings, trades made in the regular season to kind of have that team ready to make a run at the playoffs. Um, 
Then we've got the Twins uh, from Minnesota playing the Toronto Blue Jays. So we have three American League East teams, mm-hmm. not the three that everybody thought were going to be uh, in the playoffs, but three nonetheless. Uh, and then in the National League, we have the Phillies, who went to the World Series last year, um, going up against the Miami Marlins, like you had said earlier, and the Milwaukee Brewers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, getting. I think that was another very surprising team was to see the D-backs get in. Uh, and then, of course, the four teams with the buys in the American League, the Orioles and the Astros, and then in the National League, the Atlanta Braves and the L.A. Dodgers. Off the top, the question that's been going around in baseball pretty much all season, can anybody beat the Atlanta Braves? I think, Tom, you're a fan of a National League team. What do you mm-hmm. think? answer to that question is you don't (laughs) simply (laughs) enough i think the braves are clearly the best team in baseball right now now that being said anything can happen in a short series um you know a couple balls fall in the right way if someone gets injured a couple of teams get hot Uh, i can see it there's a couple of um, groups that we're seeing out here that I would say that team, if the bats get hot, if the pitching gets hot, watch out for them, even if they're not thought of as highly as the Braves. But right now, you look about that team, and then you look in, and you add in the rule changes that were put in um, this past season and throw that into the postseason as well. And everything that the Braves have going for you, especially with you know being led by Acuna Jr., I, I, you know, I mean – the fact that they are, they can hit, they can hit for power and they're super athletic and they have a pretty darn good pitching staff. Although they have a couple injuries still, you got Max Fried out there at the top. Who's one of the best in baseball right now. They are going to be an awfully tough matchup. It's going to be tough to take for anybody to take them out. That's what everybody should be gunning for. I just don't know if anybody can do it. Yeah, I've, Kind of kept an eye on Atlanta all season, just living in Tennessee. Everybody here is a Braves fan uh, for some unknown reason because Cincinnati's <laughs> the same. Yeah. <laughs> I've the same that. amount, the same distance away from Atlanta <laughs> or than Atlanta is. But for some reason, everybody loves the Braves here. I don't get it. I don't know, but whatever. Um, they're, they're a very complete team. <laughs> like, yes. very complete. Um, Scary complete. Now, I know there's this thing with the National League that the team who went who has the best record record in the regular season typically gets put out before the World Series in recent history, um, or doesn't win the World Series at that. Uh you have these teams kind of come up out of nowhere, especially in the National League, not so much in the American League. Unfortunately, it's kind of been the American League runs through Houston for the last however many years. Um, but I, I don't know that the Braves kind of can fall uh, suspect to, to that same theory, just because like you had said, Tom, this team is, is stacked everywhere. Athletically, uh, batting wise, pitching wise. I mean, there's really, I mean, I guess you could say the only hole that they have is kind of in their bullpen. Um, but even then it's not a very big hole either. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you're just, pretty dang good there as well um but i think i think uh what about in the american league um we have the orioles as the one seed a very surprising one seed there 
Of course, the Astros are are back in the playoffs again. Boo! Let's all boo the Astros. Boo! Yeah, boo! <laughs> cheaters, scumbags, <laughs> trash holes. I hate you all. Um, but you know they kind of shut me up last year, so I can't really say anything. Uh, do 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 we think that this is kind of all roads point back to the World Series for Houston as well, or do you think that the American League is a little bit more open this year than it has been in, in years past? Um, what do you think? I think it still probably goes through Houston, although I do think it's closer than maybe it's been in some past seasons. Um, I just don't see a lot of super complete teams right now in the American League. And when you when you talk about Houston's experience and they just kind of find ways to win, sometimes not legal ways, but they find ways <laughs> to right. win in the postseason. Um, you you kind of got to bet on them most of the time. I do think there is a team like, you know, possibly the Twins, you know, that could, if they can get some bats hot, some of their veteran experience, you know, like a Corey Seager in that lineup, um, you know, watch out for them. Um, excuse me, not Corey Seager, but um, Kevin Correa. Kevin Correa. Yeah. Sorry, Carlos, Carlos Correa. Correa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mind's going slate. <laughs> um, yeah, you good. watch out for them. They get them. You get them going. They could be tough. Rangers. Look, I, I, I'm surprised that they got there this year. I thought they were a couple years away. But. You know, that's where I'm talking about. You look at who they have managing that team. He's the, he's a Hall of Fame manager. Mm-hmm. He led the Padres to the World Series. He won three World Series in five years with the San Francisco Giants. Now he comes over to the Rangers. Suddenly they're turning around. They're in the playoffs. I just wish their bullpen was better because if their bullpen was better, the Rangers could be a real threat to win this thing all. I'm just not sure of them yet, but uh, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm rooting for Bruce Bochy. I talk about, he's one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. I've had, I've working in San Diego, working in San Diego sports radio. I got to speak with him many times. The guy is just genuine. He's the genuine article. He's a great dude. He's one of the best dudes you'll ever find out there. I'm rooting for him. I hope the Rangers go far in the playoffs. I just don't know if they can, they have enough talent to get them all the way through it. Dude, you're talking about their bullpen. What are you talking? They have they have Araldis Chapman, notorious <laughs> playoff joker. What are you talking about? Yeah. Araldis Chapman, who who took years off of my life as a Yankees fan. Um, yeah, but but yeah, uh, they're the reason why they're the wild card and not not uh, <laughs> you know the taking this this uh, series off. By the way, yeah, right, yeah, good old Chappie. Uh, still blowing games, I, I see. Um, I would love nothing more than to see Texas go deep far, go go deep in this playoffs, and and that that would mean that they would beat Tampa Bay, which I don't like, and and Baltimore, which is another AL East team, and and then if they went to the World Series, they'd probably beat Houston too, which means that they would just knock off three of the Yankees' rivals, and I'd be like, hey, you know, I don't have any bad blood with Texas, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um I guess the I guess it's time to just say who we're think who we're thinking is going to win these series and, and and go to the World Series. Who do you guys who do you guys have in your hypothetical World Series? 
Tom, you're the guest. Why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, I, I still think it's really difficult for anybody out of the National League to take the Braves down, but um, uh, there are a couple teams that could do it if things get hot at the right time. I really was willing to go in on the Brewers and, until the Brandon Woodruff injury. I mean, I think that's really tough. They still got the best pitching staff, arguably, in the National League. Uh, if their bats get hot, they could make a run at it. I'm just not sure. And even right now, they, they, they're going to have some trouble with the D-backs. I don't think the D-backs are a complete team, and they can struggle at times. But one thing they can do really well is run the bases. They're very athletic. They, they, they might be some problems to that Brewers defense. But I think the Brewers somehow come out of this and pull away. The team that I'd be scared about if I was the Braves, though, not, it's not the Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers, for whatever reason, they can play really well in the regular season. They can be one of the best teams in the regular season. But they, when you get to playoff time, there's just somewhere in there that they're going to hit a speed bump and it's all going to fall apart. It's just kind of been the Dodger way recently. The fact that their starting pitching staff is just not very good. They have a great lineup, but their starting pitching staff is not very good. I don't think the Dodgers can knock off the Braves. But watch out for the Phillies. I saw it last year in person as a Padre fan. If you get those bats hot like they were last season, and they were at the end of this season, the Phillies are tough to stop. Their pitching staff, especially their bullpen, is better than it was last year. Their defense is a little better than it was last year. Watch out for the Phillies. They have a shot of knocking off the Braves. That being said, I still think the Braves are the most complete team they're coming out and they're going to the World Series. In the American League, you know, I, I really don't want it to be the Astros. I think you got to put your money on the Astros, but I don't want to do it. I'm going to say something. I, 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 I just have a feeling, something about the Twins this year. I think the Twins have been on the cusp of it for a couple years of, of putting something great together. I think they've got a real chance to make a run this year. A big win today against the Blue Jays. Um, you know, knocking off Gossman, which is, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge victory for them in, in to try and get past this first round and onward to the second round. Um, I'll give the Twins a, sh a shot at it, but I still think it's going to be the Astros when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's wild because those are uh, my World Series that I had coming into today uh, before the playoffs even started was Braves-Astros. And then I saw these games, and in the back of my head, I was saying, well, if the Twins can win a game, <laughs> they haven't won a playoff game in 18 years. If they can win a play, or sorry, uh, 19 years. If they can yeah. win a playoff game, then they might make some noise. Um, and they did, like you had said. So I'm going to give my official prediction as the Twins coming out of the American League. I think they're going to take care of Toronto. I think they're going to upset Houston, a five-game series. Houston's pitching hasn't been as good as it has been in the past. The Twins' pitching is better than it has been in the past. They've got kind of got the monkey off their back of getting a playoff win. I think they keep that momentum going. I think they take care of Houston in five games. I think they take care of Baltimore in six games. And then I think that they go to the World Series, and I think that they play the Philadelphia Phillies. Ooh. Because mm. I just, something about that red October magic is just scary. 
uh, and they released probably the best playoff hype video of all of the teams <laughs> on their social medias. And, and so when I saw that video, I was like, I don't even like the Phillies. I don't like the Phillies at all, but I'm ready to run through a wall for the Phillies. Uh, so I, I'm, I think that they'll uh, take care of Miami pretty quickly. And, and I think they're going to kind of, kind of gonna kind of pull the upset against Atlanta um and then do the same thing against the Dodgers and and I I like the the Phillies and the Twins and I like the Phillies to take care of the Twins and win the World Series to be completely honest I don't think it matters who comes out of the American League I don't think any of those teams can beat whoever comes out of the National League I think that the National League is just head and shoulders better than the American League this year and it kind of shows um, schedule, uh, wins and loss wise and, and things like that. Uh, but Justin, what do you think? What's your World Series? Well, it's funny you say that because, like, being a little more casual fan of the MLB, I would look at it more like the the National League looks top heavy to me, and the American League looks a little more balanced. Um, so, like, I feel like the the leaders in the clubhouse on the American League side have really had to like battle it out and and earn their position like the or the Orioles are in the most difficult division in baseball and still ended up you know with with over 100 wins and and I know that like typically upsets happen things don't go you know the the way that that they you might expect them to when you look at it on paper um, so I don't think that that means that the Oriole, the Orioles and Braves are going to be the the two playoff uh, or will emerge from their sides of the bracket and face off in the World Series. But but I feel like I don't know. I I, I read this article that was talking about like um, why you should root for each team in the playoffs, and one of the things it said about the Orioles was root for them now because you're going to be sick of them when they keep winning for the next decade. Um, and so if I that happens, that. I will be jumping off the sun sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I can't well, handle but, that. <laughs> but I thought about that and I was like, well, your point, Kevin, is ringing in my ears too a little bit about like, well, they, you know, they're younger guys. They haven't really been there before and they're going to be in some tough situations and maybe their buttholes are too puckered in October. So, you know, and, and they're going to have to win their way there. I think they've got a tough wild card draw, whether it's the the Rays or the Rangers um, that that come out of that side. And it'll probably be the Rangers, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I think I'm gonna go. Uh, I th- I think I'm gonna go Atlanta. I think Atlanta is gonna make it to the World Series. I just I just think in the National League. I just I think they're the class of the National League, and I think they'll make it. And then on the American League side, I I think I'll go Rangers. I'll go Rangers and um, Rangers Braves. I like that Rangers and Braves. And then I think the Braves are going to win it, but um, there are teams that colors are red, white, and blue. I know. <laughs> well, as is a majority of major league baseball. <laughs> Can't get away from it. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, I think, you know, these playoffs are pretty wide open. Um, give or take, uh, like you said, the national league is kind of top heavy. I really think that there's three teams that that can win the National League in my division, the Braves, Phillies, and Dodgers. And then I think the American League is kind of whoever whoever can get there. Any of those teams I could see winning, maybe besides Toronto. I don't think Toronto can do it. 
Um, but that's just because I don't like Toronto. Um, maybe more. Don't than sleep I don't on like the Brewers, it. by the way. I, I know everybody's sleeping on the Brewers, but they have a good lineup and their pitching staff. Despite the fact that they're losing Brandon Woodruff, I'd like it a lot more if he was going to be there this postseason. But they throw Curb and Burns out there and Freddie Peralta. They have a really, really good bullpen. Um, they could shut some teams down, and they could they, they could make some noise. Again, I don't think I wouldn't put them at the level of as scary as the Phillies, and definitely not the Braves. But they could make some noise. Yeah, the Brewers could. Bef- I, I think before the Brandon Woodruff injury, there was a lot higher of a chance. And even be- mm-hmm. even with that Brandon Woodruff injury, the way that this matchup kind of matched up for the Diamondbacks kind of to me favored them a little bit just because in game one it, they're throwing Zach Paft or Paft or however you say his last name which is not their typical game one starter he's not their best pitcher I think he had like a 7 ERA this year but the right. reason being is because Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly were lined up on, on enough rest to pitch game one but it kind of benefits them in a three-game series because even if you lose game one, you got your ace going in game two that very yeah. well could win the NL Cy Young. And then you have Merrill Kelly, who's also really good going in game three. And Agreed. I mean, that's the, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, the a, thing, it's a strange the, matchup. <laughs> yeah, the short series, it's, it's really, really such a crapshoot in short series as far as, you know, Little things can make, I mean, you know, the, the Rays committed four errors today. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, yeah. you know, things like that can in when it's a short series and every game means so very much can change so much. I mean, in a seven game series, one bad game is not going to affect the entire series likely, but a three game series, it's, it, it's, it's totally wide open. Any team, these are all good teams. Any of these teams could win a three-game series. Five games, it gets a little tougher. Seven, then usually the better team prevails. Uh, but three games, it can be anybody. Right. I completely agree. Uh, but I guess let's dive into our pub dub section. Let's uh, do it. My, my favorite part of the show because I, I'm typically right here. Oh, my God. Uh, Kevin. Okay. You, you, you Go ahead and gloat. You are 26 and 20. Or overall, I'm 24 and 26. That's a huge disparity in the win-loss. Let me just tell you, um, positive money back. You did prevail last week. You were six and four. I was five and five. Now this is our first time having a celebrity guest picker, so I'm very excited. I know we're trying to tighten up the show a little bit, so I won't be um, quite as uh, ver- verbatious <laughs> as we go through this. Verbose, verbatious is better. Can I just say verbatious? That's a new word. Say that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do have five college games for us to pick and five NFL games for us to pick. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes. Uh, we're, we're just going to go, to keep it simple, we'll just go, um, we'll go Tom, Kevin, Justin in pick order uh, for each one of these. And we are starting on Saturday with, are we allowed to call it the Red River Shootout again? Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Is it yeah. still the Red, Red River rivalry? Now we don't talk about shootouts oh, anymore. All right, no more, sh- no more unless shootouts. Okay. Unless it's Florida news, it's a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man shows up at the Red River. Rib- I can't. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, Oklahoma at 
Texas. They're well, it's at Texas, but they're playing in the top and the uh, Jerry Jerry Bowl, Jerry Dome, right? No, um, they play this at the fair. Oh, they're playing at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, they played at the uh, fair, the Texas State okay. Fair. All right, they're playing at the Cotton Bowl, I mean, but it's in Texas, like funnel cakes. Yeah. The um, so Oklahoma at Texas. Texas is favored minus six and a half. Tom, how, who do you think comes out on top in the Red River rivalry? <laughs> Classic rivalry game. I love them. Um, Oklahoma's been good this year, but I don't completely believe in them. I don't think they're there yet. I like Texas a lot. I think Texas is going to be one of those teams. I, I really believe that Texas is going to make the college football playoff this year. They're, I mean, Oklahoma, it, it might as well be part of Texas, but Texas is basically at home. Six and a half. I think they easily win by a touchdown, if not more. Over. I just think they're that much better than Oklahoma. Wonderful. Tom's in with Texas. Kevin, who have you got? Uh, I've got Texas as well. Um, I do have Oklahoma covering the spread, though. Uh, I, I think this is a high-scoring game, a very high-scoring game. Um, I, one might go as far as to say as bet the mortgage on the over. Um, <laughs> don't tell people that. Please don't bet anything on what we say. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a bet the mortgage bet. Uh, no. But I'm I'm just just throwing that out there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I do like Oklahoma to cover. I like Texas to win, though. I do think they're for real. Uh, I think both teams are are very good. I think Oklahoma's better than what people are giving them credit for so far. Um, and, and I think that the offense is kind of going to show up for both teams. Uh, but ultimately, I think Texas's offense is just a hair better. So I think Texas wins by three. By three, okay. I, I never put down whether or not you say they're going to cover. I just I'm just going winners here. Um, except the time when you said that the Bengals and Titans were going to tie. I did put that down. Um, I thought they were. <laughs> which, by the way, you should have gotten minus two. If you were going to get plus two for that, you should have gotten minus two. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I'm going to go Oklahoma in this one. I, I think I do think Texas is good. I think I think Oklahoma is good. I, in this case, um, I just think that Oklahoma, um, I think <laughs> – they're, they're going to outlast them. I think this is going to be whoever has the last um, kind of game. And I think Oklahoma comes away with a big victory and, and uh, puts themselves squarely in playoff contention once that's all said and done. We're moving on. That was a Big 12 matchup. Now we've got an SEC matchup. LSU at Missouri. Now, I put this one in because LSU is favored on the road Minus six and a half, but Missouri to date is undefeated. Um, LSU's got a couple of losses, and Missouri can score some points, so I thought it might be a little interesting. Tom, what do you think is going to happen over in Columbia, Missouri? Oh, there's going to be a lot of points on the board, but I just have a feeling it's going to be mostly LSU putting the points <laughs> on the board. I think they're going to rebound in a big way after. Ole Miss, after the loss with Ole Miss, I, I think they're going to be angry about that. I, I think they're going to give Missouri a little misery, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I like the Bayou Tigers as opposed to the Mizzou Tigers right. in this Tiger one. I, I just think Bayou. LSU comes through in a big way. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting ranked matchup. It's 21 versus 23. So, yeah. what do you think, Kevin? 
in the words of a certain Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I like Missouri to win this game. I do think LSU having two losses is kind of like a gut punch to them. I kind of think that maybe they they think that their season might be over. Um, I know earlier in the season, Brian Kelly mentioned on another podcast that having so many transfer players that he does have is kind of a red flag. And you kind of saw that, especially defensively for them against Ole Miss. And that's not the first time that you've seen it this year where LSU's defense has allowed a whole lot of points. Like you said, Justin, Missouri can score. Um, and Missouri is a very underrated team. And I think Missouri kind of has their coming out party a little bit on the national stage and takes care of LSU. Plus, you know, I like my home dogs. So oh, yeah. home dog, we give me the Missouri Tigers to win the yeah. game. Well, I'm going to pick the Tigers and now we can move on. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Missouri's got a great running back. And Schrader, uh, he's he's already run for 463 yards and three touchdowns on the year. I, I think that if Missouri can get a lead early, it, it might break the hearts of those Bayou Bengals, and maybe they start to quit a little bit. I, I've said from the beginning, I don't believe in Brian Kelly. I don't think he's that great of a coach. I don't believe in his fake Southern accent. Um, all that being said, I'm going to pick LSU to win the game. <laughs> Sounds like a Kevin special. <laughs> <laughs> I zigged when you thought I was going to say. Um, <laughs> all right. So that was our SEC matchup. Now we're going to go Pac-12. We're going West Coast. And we've got Washington State at UCLA. UCLA favored minus three and a half. If, if I'm not wrong, Washington State is the one that's favored here. They're number 13. I mean, the, ranked. They're number 13. UCLA is not ranked. Yet they're uh, favored by three and a half. Tom, West Coast special. What do you think of this one? I think it's a very strange line for one thing. What does Vegas know that we don't? To me personally, I don't get it. Um, I, I I think this is an interesting matchup for Washington State. They come off a big win against Oregon State. Um, and I think there could be the chance of a letdown week going to UCLA. If this had been the week right after, However, they did have a bye week in between. I think that benefits the Cougs in a lot of ways. I, I feel, I, I just think Washington State, UCLA is a very inconsistent team. I could see them pulling this out. I think Washington State's the better, the better program this season. The Cougs pull it out. All right. Got one for the Cougs. Wazoo. What do you think, Kevin? I'm right there with you, Tom. I think Washington State's a better team than UCLA. Um, even though it's at UCLA, I don't think that that really, I don't think UCLA has a very big home field advantage. Um, I think a lot of people in the LA area have much better things to do than to go watch UCLA football. Uh, so I'm going to go with Washington State as well uh, to win outright. Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you on this one. You know, I picked them to beat Oregon State and they did it. I, and I'm resting on um, the fact that the Cougars are going to carry me through for another win this week. So Washington State is unanimous. You know what that means. <laughs> They're doomed. <Bet> UCLA. <laughs> They're doomed. <laughs> like I said, Vegas knows something with that line. <laughs> What's going on? But they got something. That's right. 
All right, hopping back over the SEC, we got a big game and one that Tennessee is going to be paying a lot of attention to. Alabama is traveling to Texas A&M College Station, and they're getting two and a half points in this one. Kevin, I know you love those home dogs, uh, but we'll be interested to see how the picks go. Tom's kicking us off. Tom, are you going Crimson Tide or Aggies? Texas A&M has been pretty good this year. Not great. Pretty good. Alabama has not been great this year. They looked a little better last week, but they haven't looked like the Crimson Tide that we know and love. And I think that continues this week. They're going to College Station, and I think Texas A&M pulls an upset. I mean, it's a small upset, but I think it's an upset, and I think they they move on, and we'll we'll know a lot more about the SEC after this week for sure. Yeah. Boom. Kevin. Yeah, I like. I, I like. Also, in the words of Lee Corso, "Good pick." Uh, <laughs> good I pick. Think, <laughs> I, I like Texas A&M. I like Texas A&M to win. No Connor Wegman, no problem. Max Johnson has stepped into that role and done wonders at A&M. Uh, transitioned seamlessly. Um, I think you know, like like Tom said, Alabama has not looked like Alabama should look, how we anticipate them to look. Um, Texas A&M's lone loss is to Miami, and that's looking like a better loss each mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do like the Aggies. Uh, the last time Alabama went to Texas A&M, Alabama lost at Texas A&M. Go. So I think uh, House of Horrors for the Crimson Tide being at Kyle Field continues, and I think the Aggies... Knock Alabama down this week. So that, I'm I'm agreeing with both. Of you. I think it's a good pick. I mean, the, the Aggies actually look better off with the backup quarterback. Um, the offense has sort of gotten out of neutral and, and is doing better now. Um, however, I, I just it, it's always hard for me to bet against Saban, and you know the chips are down right now. And and if they lose this one, I mean they're. They're out of the playoff picture almost certainly, and their trip to the SEC championship will definitely be in question. I I just I don't think I I don't think that they're going to lose. I two and a half. I don't know honestly. I don't know what's better for Tennessee if Texas and a, Texas A and M takes a beating here and then comes in with their tail between their legs a little bit and maybe they've got a bit of a hangover, or if Texas Texas A and M wins. And comes in riding a high, and then Tennessee gets to surprise them. I, I don't know what's better, but I think I'm going to go Alabama in this one and uh, and go against the grain a little bit here. Because I, honestly, I don't feel great about it, but I just bet against Saban in this situation. Well, in your defense, make you feel a little bit better. Mama Terry has told Nick Saban to unleash hell on these kids and okay. coach like he has been like the past five years and, and go crazy on the sideline. And so he has. So you have that going for you as well. <laughs> I just wouldn't want to be on the end of one of his uh, his butt chewings, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, all right. Last college game. I put this one. It's the Kevin special. Notre Dame at Louisville. And I put it on here specifically because Notre Dame is favored by less than a touchdown. It's six and a half going to Louisville. Now, Louisville is undefeated. Notre Dame has a loss. I don't know if you remember. They lost to Ohio State. 
But <laughs> did they? <laughs> they did. They lost to Ohio State, coming off a big win at Duke, where <laughs> Sam Hartman <laughs> had a Heisman moment. I mean, are their heads going to be too big? I don't know. Tom, Notre Dame at Louisville. What do you think? Notre Dame's been doing just enough to win most of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they will do just enough to win this game. I do think I, I'd be worried if I'm the Irish and get hot looking ahead to big rivalry game against the Trojans. Um, but I, I, I do think they'll do just enough. I think that uh, Louisville will cover. They'll beat the spread, beat but they game. will not beat Notre Dame. The Irish will end up pulling this by, I don't know, field goal, four points, something like that. All right, close one. Kevin? Marcus Freeman loves me. Marcus Freeman knows me, okay? <laughs> Marcus Freeman is not going to let me come down to South Bend next week coming off of a loss. Notre Dame wins. Notre Dame covers. Sam Hartman has a great game. Louisville barely beat NC State. Notre Dame beat NC State by almost 20 points. Give me the Irish handling business, looking, getting ready for USC next week. Well, just specifically because I want to, I want to work the anti Notre Dame voodoo. I'm also going to pick Notre Dame this game, and Notre that Dame, way you we're we're unanimous. <laughs> I'm going to put, I'm going to put beside mine. Sam Hartman throws for 500 yards and three, four touchdowns. Okay, if that happens, you get three points. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. I'll be happy. I won't care. If Sam Hartman throws for 500. Notre Dame's winning that game easily. <laughs> yeah, they're going to dominate. All right, moving on. Now we've got NFL games. we got a thing line Sunday. Um, Titans and Colts. Now, this one I put on the list because um, I think, is Jonathan Taylor back? Is he coming back? Do you think he's going to play? I don't know. I think he's, I think he's practicing with the team. But regardless. I haven't heard one t- way or another. Yeah, regardless, the, the, the Titans are coming off a surprising victory over the Cincinnati Bengals when, uh, you know, most people thought they were going to tie. Um, but they somehow, they pulled off the win. Joe Burrow's still disappointing the world. That's job. But uh, <laughs> I just got to give you a hard time. Um, but Titans at Colts. Tom, what's going to happen in Indianapolis? They're, they're currently favored minus one and a half, unless that's changed. I don't know. This game is a, this one is wild and up in the air. Um, the Colts have been a bit surprising to me so far this year. They've been better than I expected. Titans have been about the team that I expected them to be. Um, but I think they're, they're fairly evenly matched. I think it's a heck of a matchup. Um, I just think Derrick Henry looked really good last week. I think they're going to ride Derrick Henry. I think the Titans will pull this one out. Ooh, all right. Titans on the road. The Colts have it won at home, by the way. They're 0-2 at home. And, and and now the line is even. I just checked it. What do you Something's got to change. Yeah. Something's got to change. Give me the Colts to win at home. I believe Anthony Richardson will be playing this week. I think he's playing. Um, I did do a little bit of research. Jonathan Taylor's practicing tomorrow, so he... It's a quote unquote great sign for him playing great sign okay. on on Sunday. So so give me the Colts. All give right. me the Colts to win because I don't like the Titans. <laughs> okay, they're only your home team, Kevin. I don't um, like them. They suck. Okay. 
um, the Titans are 0 2 away. So even though the Colts haven't won at home, the Titans have not won on the road this year. Both teams, 2 and 2. Um, I'm going to take the Colts. I, I, not the Jonathan Taylor effect, um, but they've been surprising, just like Tom said. I, I don't know how the Titans ended up beating. I think it was, it was Derrick Henry, maybe Derrick Henry alone. Um, and, and the Bengals still haven't figured out their offense, but they never should have won that game. So, um, I think they'll go to Indianapolis and, and lose in Lucas Oil Stadium, which, by the way, is a beautiful facility, uh, contrasting that to Tropicana Field, which is a dump again. A trash um, hole. It's a trash hole. The Texans at Falcons. Um, let me just check. I'll double check and make sure this one hasn't moved. Okay. The Falcons are minus two as of breaking news. Um, home team, and they are 2-0 oh, and oh at home, undefeated at home. Um, Texans are one and one away, but I mean, that rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud has looked pretty good for the Texans. Has he not? Can he win in Atlanta? Tom, what do you think? Organizations going in different directions, despite the Falcons starting the season two and oh, you could tell that they're getting back to where their mid-level is for that franchise this season. Texans has been surprising. C.J. Stroud has been amazing to begin the season. He's somebody you want to keep your eyes on virtually every play because he's making fantastic things happen on the field. I like the Texans in in a walkover in this one. There you go. Yeah, he's on my fantasy team, and I think I'm going to start starting him now. He's doing great. Kevin? Well, I picked up C.J. Stroud this week. This week. Um, because I'm tired of seeing him put up 20 points and sit on the free agent waiver <laughs> wire, uh, while I while I play Joe Burrow who puts up four points. <laughs> so I said I'm kind of tired of this. I'm not going to drop Joe Burrow, but I'm going to sit him in timeout. Yeah. Um, but Desmond Ritter is undefeated at home. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. We, even going back to college, <laughs> and the streak continues. Give me the Falcons to win this game. For the Desmond Ritter effect. All right, all right. I think if it's a battle of quarterbacks, I think C.J. Stroud is going to come out on. I mean, he he's really got his foot underneath. I know he hasn't thrown an interception this year, and maybe this is one of those things where you're not supposed to talk about it. I should probably knock wood because it's like a no-hitter. You don't want to bring it up. But um, he's looked great. Again, I'm starting him this week uh, and maybe going forward in replacement of Kirk Cousins, who disappointed me last week. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Texans. Uh, Texans on the road to win in Atlanta. Now we are heading up north. We're going to go. The Saints are visiting the Patriots. New England, minus one and a half at last check. Yep, still the same. And, uh, of course, Mac Jones is still the quarterback. Even though he got benched, he's going to be playing again. So, Tom, Saints at Patriots. What do you think? His defense is pretty good, but I mean, I don't know what Saints fans want less an injured Derek Carr behind center or a Jameis Winston behind center. I just can't ride either one of those quarterbacks right now. If Derek Henry, if me, if Derek Carr was was healthy, then maybe I go Saints. I I just have some feeling that somehow Belichick will pull it together and and find a way to win this game. All right. I watched the Patriots game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. They looked 
god awful. Really bad. Uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they looked really bad. Like the worst that Bill Belichick's ever looked, being as that's the biggest he's ever lost by. Um, biggest amount of points he's lost by. That being said, going back to Foxborough, Matt, little Mac Jones, that's my nickname for him. Right now he's Double Cheeseburger Jones. Um, he's not a Big Mac. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with the Saints to mm. go to Foxborough and win. I know that you know Derek Carr. I don't think he's going to be playing, so you you might get some Jameis Winston effect there. Uh, but I, I still love Alvin Kamara, so he's going to carry the Saints to a win. Yeah, uh, Kamara coming back is definitely a factor. He didn't do too much uh, first week back, but yeah, he's got to get back in the swing of things. Um. Yeah, I just, I don't know. The Patriots are so weird this year. I, I never expected them to look the way that they have. Um, they're hard to figure out. But I just, I think the Saints are just as confused. I don't know what to take from them, really, uh, on a week-to-week basis. I'll tell you this. I've stayed away from both of them in my Survivor League. I haven't picked either one of them. And I probably still won't. But at least for this game, I think I'm going to pick the Patriots at home. Just, you know, they haven't won at home. They've got to give the home fans, something to cheer for, or, ooh, Belichick might might want to get some longer sleeves and, and maybe a turtleneck or something. He's going to want to hide. They're going to be coming after it. I feel like they, they've been, they were they were too good for too long for the fans to be real patient, unfortunately. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to win this week over the Saints. Um, should check the weather. That might have it. Because you got a dome team going up. It's probably not going to be too bad, though. We're still we're still early October. All right. Uh, Jets at Broncos. Uh, now, here is an interesting matchup because you've got Russell Wilson, who's supposed to be a really good quarterback. Uh, but he, 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 for some reason, since he's been a Bronco, hasn't really looked like one. And then you've got uh, Zach Wilson, who's definitely not a good quarterback. <laughs> Leading. Leading his team to Mile High, Mile High Stadium. Um, um, who, who, which, which quarterback do you think can come out on top when the Jets visit the Broncos at four twenty-five Eastern on Sunday? Well, I mean, I see. I mean, the Jets surprisingly played Kansas City really, really tough. You know, I kind of have a feeling that there was. Maybe a little distraction going on <laughs> in the Chiefs know. camp leading up to that match. Maybe a small one. Um, maybe what played a part in that. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the Jets having a shot at it and, and falling and then having to hit the road and go to, I mean, I don't care which what Broncos, being a West Coaster and for many, many years being a Chargers fan, I know how difficult it can be, even with bad teams going up and playing at a mile high. Um, I, I just feel like the, the, uh, I don't think the Jets are good. I don't think the Broncos are good, but the Broncos are going to ride that home field advantage to find a way to pull out the victory here. It's been a theme this week that I've picked games where the home team. That's true so far for the Broncos. Kevin, can they break that streak on Sunday? Uh, no, I think the Jets win. I like the Jets. Um the Broncos and Mr. Unlimited looked really bad yet last week against the team that I said I was going to be a fan of this year that I'm not talking about. Um, and they were down 21 points, and then they decided to play really well in the second, the fourth quarter and come back and win. 
against the team that I said I'm not going to talk about anymore. Um, so I, I'm I'm going. The Broncos are coming are coming off a high. Uh, Zach Wilson showed out last week for Taylor Swift and Donna Kelsey. Um, you know he has a thing for moms. Um, and so I'm going to go with Zach Wilson to keep on showing out for his fans and and to win. I think he finally gets that win that he's been searching for. <laughs> yeah. Part of me feels bad for Zach Wilson because, I mean, he he does care. And at least so far, the team hasn't given up on him. I mean, you, you see his teammates trying to lift him up, and he's taking the responsibility for the, the errors and the, and the things that are happening. Um, I think the Jets have a good defense. Um, I think it is hard. It's always hard. First of all, it's a long trip over to, to Denver for the New York Jets. Um, and and going and playing in in the thin air at Mile High Stadium is is a challenge, but I think I think they can do it. I think they can win this game. I just don't I, I don't know the, the the Broncos. I don't know what's going on with them, but I I mean Sean Payton's not the answer. I don't think he's, he doesn't look like he's turning it around. I, I I think the Jets defense will carry him, and it's, it's probably be a low scoring. But I think the Jets uh, will win, and I'm hoping at least uh, one touchdown for Garrett Wilson, please. My fantasy team says thank you. Um, all right, and then finally we got Monday night: the Packers at the Raiders. Green Bay minus two. Let me just make sure that hasn't changed. It hasn't. Okay, uh, Green Bay minus two, going in, and Jordan Love uh, playing in replacement of Aaron Rodgers. Will Jimmy Garoppolo play? I don't. I think he probably will, but I'm not sure. Again, the Raiders have not won at home, but they only played one game. So, Tom, will the Raiders get that W uh, in Las Vegas on Monday? I would really like to know more about if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get out of concussion protocol. I mean, he still is in it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the benefit from have, having that extra day could help. Uh, if he's there, I think it's easily the Raiders. Um, I, have, I haven't seen anything out of the Packers that I've loved so far. Not that I've seen anything from the Raiders that I've loved. I mean, they, they couldn't, they couldn't block Khalil Mack last week to save their lives. Um, but they they do have some weapons. I do feel like they are kind of finding their way in the right direction. Aiden O'Connell wasn't, terrible last week i mean he made some fumbles and had a couple mistakes but he wasn't awful um even if he has to come in i still think that the, the raiders find a way especially in vegas maybe the packers the glitz and glamour gets to them a little bit raiders pull this one out yeah maybe they go to the sphere to go see you two that looks like a yeah. crazy show <laughs> i want to go um kevin packers at raiders um I, I, too, would like to know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play this week uh, because that will kind of hinge who I pick here. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he doesn't play. And if that is the case, I do think that the Packers go up there uh, to Vegas and get a win. I think Vegas has a lot of, like, drama around their team right now, especially with, like, the whole Chandler Jones scenario. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that they've got, you know, a little when a team has a dark cloud like that, they typically don't perform well. And they've got they've had that dark cloud pretty much all season uh, hanging over them. So um, I think even though they released him, I still think that that 
kind of has the vibes out of whack for Vegas. And I think the Packers kind of take advantage of that and, and go up there to Vegas and get a win. So give me the Packers. Yeah, I was a little surprised at uh, the, the last week how the Packers played against the Lions. I mean, I think the Lions are pretty good, but um, I, I don't know that that was necessarily indicative of the Packers this year. But I, I, I don't think either one of these teams are that great necessarily. And, and of course, it does ah. – hinge on you know jimmy garoppolo on whether or not the raiders um you know can can maybe perform the way that they need to to win the game not knowing one way or the other um i think i i i, I don't know i i think i my, my gut is telling me raiders right now so i think I'm raiders um raiders on monday night and uh i i think they'll get that w at home and and uh, and the Packers are going to go. I still have what I'm looking for. That's oh, what I think. we're going to cease and deceased. So yeah, cease and deceased. I'm deceased. <laughs> <laughs> just a YouTube. I'm just trying to get it back to YouTube. But I know it. It was a good cover. There you go. Now that is the pub dubs for the week. And Kevin, we've done it once again. We've gone. <laughs> Yeah, we've almost gone two hours. I, I love it. But you know what? We had a good time. Um, I want to thank you, Tom, for hopping on here. I I appreciate your wonderful baseball insight and your uh, West Coast knowledge um, and, and your college football takes. I appreciate it, man. It was great talking with you. Thanks. I, I really appreciate the invite. I had a great time hanging out with you guys, just talking a little sports. I haven't got to do that as much as I used to back in the day, so it's kind of good to get back into the swing of things a little bit. Yeah, you, your your insight was welcome. You actually sound like you know what you're talking about. Week basis. So have you all fooled? <laughs> we really appreciate that, Tom. Um, if you want to get more Tom knowledge and all of the exciting Disney action, he's got a podcast for you. Maybe maybe you know there won't be quite as many uh, quarterback injuries or or Vegas odds one way or the other, but, uh, but a lot of good news and good things to check out. Tom, tell our listeners who probably already know you, but tell them anyway about the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Well, thanks guys. And again, I really appreciate the invite. This was a lot of fun and um, I'm just so happy to be on Moonshine Scoreboards. I, I really, really appreciate hanging out with you guys tonight. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to find my podcast that I do with my lovely wife, Michelle, we are the Hyperion Adventures podcast. And we can find you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. Or the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we're on social media. I'm only going to call it Twitter. At Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Fantastic. Kevin, wrap us up. Take us home. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to another week of Moonshine and Scoreboards. I hope you enjoy your college football weekend. I hope you enjoy your playoff baseball. And thanks for listening. Follow us on the socials, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah. If you need to find us, we're Boozy Sports Pod on Instagram and on X because our actual podcast name is just too long. So boozy sports pod. Check Where us out. Boozy. That's Thanks right. guys. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of your week. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your college football. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Moonshine and Scoreboards. Moonshine and Scoreboards is a Tri-M production and is hosted by Kevin Scott, Landon Doan, and Justin Krutzinger. Our engineer is Joe the Engineer. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcast, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can email us at moonshineandscoreboards at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and come back next week for all of the fun, the games, the moonshine, and of course, the scoreboards. Scoreboards.